Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that looks at the inspiration, intention, and actionable steps to help you jumpstart joy in the world, in your life, and in other people's lives. This is your host, Paula Jenkins. Welcome to episode 165. This week's show is an interview with Andrea Owen of Your Kick-Ass Life. Andrea and I are talking all about how to be taken seriously, even when you are not a very serious person, which is kind of an interesting topic. Being a lighthearted person myself, it's one of those things that I feel like I struggle with where I dig in and do hard things all day as a coach and a project manager and, you know, consulting on business. And sometimes I worry, and maybe you guys do too, are people going to take me seriously if I come in and kind of show that more joyful and lighthearted side of myself in a room? And so it's really fun getting to talk to Andrea all about it and get her take on it as she is working to infuse her own business with more of her own sense of humor. And I also love that we dive deep. (laughs) This this discussion becomes really self-reflective quickly in that we dive really deep shortly after laughing pretty hard. Uh, We're also talking about emotions and how to process them and then how to interact with people maybe during a difficult time during the holidays. So It comes full circle and it's a lot of fun. I am so glad you guys are here. If you are new to the show, I'm Paula. I'm the host here. Jumpstart Your Joy is a show where we're looking at the inspiration, intention, and action involved with bringing joy to your life and into the world. If you want to find out more about this show, the website is jumpstartyourjoy.com. You can also find me on Instagram where I love to share quotes and and. A little bit more behind the scenes, and that's Jumpstart Your Joy is my handle there as well. So check that out and say hello. If you want to find the show notes for this specific episode, you can go to jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash Andrea, and you will find the links to her two amazing books and her past episode she was on last year as well, along with, yes, a link to the time that Menudo was on Silver Spoons with Rick Schroeder. So just, you know, you're going to love it. I'll also put it out there that maybe if you are a a coach or a healer, someone in the healing arts, a doctor, and you're looking to start a podcast in 2019, can you imagine? We're almost there. I would love to help you out. That's one of the things that I really love to do. And I'm working with a couple people right now on their shows that launch early 2019. And I will have openings then if you want to give it a go. I would love to be your guide, your project manager, your cheerleader, and uh, your podcast expert. So uh, you can drop me a note at jumpstartyourjoy at gmail.com. You can also send me a note if there's anything you want to share, any insights you've gotten, or just to say hello. I'd love to hear from you. Um, So let's just roll right on into this very hilarious conversation with Andrea Owen. She's back. I, I am so excited to have you here. I'm excited to be here. I feel like we've already been a little bit silly, so I have no idea what's in store for this next little while. Oh my goodness. Well, first, so Andrea is the amazing author of 52 Ways to Lead a Kick-Ass Life. That was the first baby. And 
How to Stop Feeling Like Shit, which was one of my favorite books this year. Yeah, we're coming Um, up on a year anniversary of that one. It's a really good read. So I'll link up to both. I found a lot of great messages in especially How to Stop Feeling Like Shit, because I think you did such an amazing job of detailing out all those habits that we love to do that maybe aren't serving us so well. That we're so used to, it come it becomes like, you know, the air we breathe and they serve us to a certain point until they don't anymore. And that's what yeah. the book is about. Yes, so true. And that's a lot of what we talked about last time. So yeah. I'll link up to that. But the silliness, it's so great that you just said that because so in one of your recent uh, amazing podcast episodes, you talked about how your upcoming rebrand, which yes, we're all actually interested in. I love that you called it out. You're like, if you're not a business owner, you don't really get this, but that you wanted to bring in more of you, like your humor. Can we talk yeah. about that? Cause I think, I mean, I'll share my hand a little bit here. Like I struggle with something I bet is similar to what you're kind of dealing with, which is like, I, I am a goofball, but I struggle with this idea that like, I have to be serious to be taken seriously. And how do I balance out? Like, that space of really funny, but also dealing with serious stuff. Like, so I don't, that felt like a topic we could, I don't know. Yeah. It's, and I don't have like all the answers. I'm still in it, but I think that that's, I think it's helpful for listeners sometimes when people are just riffing off of being like in the weeds. And it's not like, this is like a deep, dark place that I'm in. Like, Oh, it's so hard. I don't know how to, you know, (laughs) right. (laughs) My personal brand. Um, But it's, I want to point out one thing that you said that was really interesting to me because I have felt this way too. And I realize it's my inner critic when I think I need to be serious for people to take me seriously. Mm-hmm. That's inner critic bullshit. And, and I also think that it's, you know, I can only speak from being a woman, being a cisgendered woman growing up in America is my experience to be taken seriously. We can't be a goofball. Yes. I think that is a really strong message that comes through. And it's almost like we have to be careful. Is there some message out there? Like you better be careful because if you're seen as silly, then I I don't even know what the then is because then that's all inner critic likely. But like, I don't know what the then is. Then people won't take you seriously as a, um, as a podcaster, as a life coach, as a professional. That's the messaging that I've told myself and Mm -hmm. have, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. So I've, I've mostly gotten over it. And part of it is just because my, the evidence and research that I've done (laughs) having had a podcast for five years and been blogging for 10 Mm -hmm. is that my audience says, oh my God, when you and your friends came on the podcast talking about your vagina being strangled by your bodysuit, I laughed so hard I spit my coffee out. And I was like, and when that moment, that's a true story, when that moment happened, I'm thinking like, oh my God, oh my God, you know, like who's listening? And I told a poop story one time and I remember halfway through the story, I was like, I really hope this isn't somebody's first time listening to the podcast. <laughs> and someone private messaged me on Instagram and was like, my mom was listening to me with me and it was her first time. And her mom was like, what is this that you're listening to? And I'm like, maybe I'm not, you know, your mom's best, uh, yeah, best podcaster. But it's, it's moments like that where people have told me, yes, we want more of your funniness. But also, like you were mentioning, there's there's also this, okay, where is the line? And I don't mm-hmm. know where it is because I've also offended people. And it just, it's inevitable. Mm. It's inevitable. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> I love that 
you just happen. brought that up. I did. I was shaking. I was laughing so hard. I just wanted to let you like I. It's that podcast thing where I'm like, oh, I got to let her finish, and then I'm shaking because I was laughing so hard. Well, but, you know that, right? Like the but remember the well, you you might it turns out how old you are listening to this. But in the '90s, when bodysuits were legit, like we <laughs> wore them, it was like a t-shirt. And yes. they, it would hurt. Like, I don't know, maybe my, I don't know. But do you remember that? Yes. Oh, yes. My sister. Hi, Sarah. She and I used to have a joke about bodysuits and blazers. Because, okay, so now we're, we're just all that going there. That used to be there, a like, blog. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We joked about going on the road. But, like, I think that could be, like, a comedian's routine. Like, because, so, well, let's, just ripping off band-aids here. Like, my sister and I were both in sororities. And, like, that was the... That was, uniform? Like, that was the uniform when you went to a party was you like you wore your bodysuit and your blazer. I'm super short and I have a short trunk. So those bodysuits never fit very well. That was weird. But yes, ugh, weird. So well, it sounds like it was constricting for you. Well, and I don't know. And then they snapped too. So there was like <laughs> extra like um, stuff down there. And it just was never comfortable. And I think I had some, it, and it was, it was almost like a thong down there. It wasn't like the regular distance of what normally a, an underwear panel should be. Right. You need at least like three inches across. You do I feel for like. it to fit nicely. Right. And when it's smaller than that and it becomes like a string, it's, it's like, oh, it gets tangled up and then you're chapped. And then it's never, I was always like adjusting and like, it, it, yeah, necessary. I mean, that's a whole, well, they do have the bodysuits. I've seen them where they have like a regular underwear, like brief butt, which I could get on board with that. God bless <laughs> that. It's about time. Like all of the parts down there deserve a little more. I bet a woman invented that. And a man mm-hmm. invented the 90s bodysuit. So, yeah. Well, rest in peace and namaste, old bodysuits, because... <laughs> R.I.P. blazers and bodysuits. Here's my fear about funny podcasts or just being funny yeah. with when you're trying to marry personal development is my fear is not so much if I'm on the air by myself doing a podcast where I'm trying to crack jokes and they may or may not land, but when I am on with someone else... And you and I, like, we're not, like, good friends in real life. We just have good rapport. (laughs) I feel like we have good chemistry. But sometimes, especially when you have your friends on, the giggling starts. And then the people listening are like, I feel like this is, like, an inside joke where I'm not in on it. And this is dumb. Because I've listened to podcasts Mm, like that. And I'm like, bye. That's my fear, too. So I hope everyone is still with us. I hope so, too. Because, I mean, and really, is it if you're there and you're like, ooh, I think they know each other. And I'm in the on the outs. I don't know this whole bodysuit thing well but I would invite you then to say is that the inner critic saying I you know are you worried like you're not gonna fit in or what because you are we love you I love we you do. even if you never, never wore a bodysuit no god bless you if you didn't because yes, your labia are safe <laughs> <laughs> Unchapped. I love that you just said that word I'm gonna leave that in because I don't think that word said enough <laughs> Oh God! God save the labia. Yeah, it's our it's our mission. That's the mission of bodysuitsandblazers.com. Right there. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Um. Oh, Andrea, I don't even know how we recover from that. But like, I think there's that that thing though that comes up. Like we've been through silly, and then yeah, transitioning into how how do we become and what is it? It's more that we feel like we're taken seriously, right? Like we can mm-hmm. do all that, but we're also very serious about how do we find ourselves? How do we express ourselves? And I feel like it gets mixed up in there. Like, 
how am I the person that talks about labias in a joking way? But then also like, no, I could dig in. I've been through the shit. Like, yeah, like I can go there with you and, and like, we could talk about the hardest thing in the world in the next breath. And I, is it just people aren't comfortable with that? I I think it's, it's sort of this really delicate mix because Mm -hmm. there are some things that aren't funny. And I I think for me, it becomes a self-management issue where if I'm having a conversation with someone and I have to ask myself, am I trying to make a joke out of this because I am uncomfortable with what's being said, or I want to kind of like bypass it as a defense mechanism. And I, I feel comfortable in being able to recognize that very quickly because it's something Mm -hmm. that I did for a long time. And now having had worked on my own stuff for a long time and, and, and really trusting my own emotions and walking through the fire, if you will, Mm -hmm. I, I'm able to sit with someone in the really difficult things and be, and be able to read them if they are ready for a joke or if they need to still stay in where they are. And so I think it's, um, I think it's personally, it's about trusting myself that I, know when to be funny and I know when to not be, I know when to fold them and, you know, when Mm -hmm. to run. And so I, yeah, that's kind of where I've landed with it. And just, and just to me, it's, it's a maturity thing, you know, like I'm 10 years into this and it's about finding my own voice truly, truly. And it kind of is like, really, it took me this long. (laughs) And not that I've ever been inauthentic, but I feel like there has been parts where I have held back for fear of um, sending the wrong message. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you're kind of, that you're going there and like sharing it. Cause I think so many of us that are out there in a public way, and it depends on what your public way is, right? Like I was in academia for a while and thought that maybe I wanted to, tr- to teach, you know, I went to Yale Divinity School. So there's a lot of messages like wound up in there, like Yale and Divinity School, like well, you better be serious. I mean, you this cannot is cannot be funny about Jesus. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. Well, he's funny. Like that's, that could be another I feel episode. Like he was. Oh gosh. I think he was. And I think he, and I think we miss it all the time, but you know, I think whatever, and I'm debating on which way to go right there, but like, I think the <laughs> capitalist story becomes, you know, to fit in here, I can't show people how funny I am, which, mm-hmm. you know, whether that's, the coaching part or that's the, you know, you're, I don't know, you're in academia or whatever it is. Like, I think it's that finding the blend is so hard sometimes. Yeah. And I I don't think that I'm going to get it right, but I feel Mm. like there's been so many other things that I have started to tackle. I mean, talking about racism and rape culture and Mm, uh, all of these major issues that are going on, going on now and feminism and fat phobia and like all of these things that truly, truly are not funny. But I feel like if I can start to untangle and unpack that in my life, and if I can talk about that on the podcast and in real life situations, then I'm pretty sure I can crack a joke every once in a while that feels really authentic. And that I feel like my audience, it would land well with my audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think there's something for me too about I mean, what we just did about bodysuits and blazers is like there's a sense of connection that comes yeah. from humor that is not the same in any other way. Like it kind of in some ways, like we're saying, hey, I'm safe with you. You're safe with me. Like, mm-hmm. and I think you're saying to the maturity level of knowing like we're not bypassing a hard conversation. We're just getting maybe to know each other a little yeah. bit. And true, like you have to have a sense of humor to be able to. I just feel like getting through life 
some of the topics I talk about are hard. Talking mm-hmm. about shame is not easy. And I realize that I've been talking about it for so long and teaching it for so long that I have a stamina that a lot of people don't have yet. And therefore, I do feel sometimes it's easier. I think that when there's humor in healing, it can just help us along. It really can. I love it. And I love embracing yeah. it. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we talked about it. I, I am too. I'm really glad we had that moment. Yeah, me too. <laughs> the thing that I felt like was so related to that was you talked about sitting with emotions and feelings and that it's really just our body sometimes processing through stuff. Let's talk about that for a minute because I think there's something really interesting in how people don't really want to sit with discomfort. I don't know. Do you want to unpack a little bit about like how you see the body kind of processing yeah. stuff? Well, I mean, I had a master's degree in numbing out and running away from mm-hmm. my emotions. And I grew up probably like a lot of your listeners, a lot of us <laughs> grew up in families where, and this is not at all to blame and shame our parents. Our parents truly did the best that they could mm-hmm. and they were never taught. And most of us grew up in families where we just didn't have a huge range of emotions or if it was shown, it typically wasn't shown in a healthy way. The emotional boundaries were not present or talked about. And I grew up where, you know, I often say we had one emotion in our family and it was happiness. And if you had any others, you were welcome to do them in private, in your room, Mm -hmm. by yourself. And then when you were done, you could come out and and join us. And we never talked about it. We just pretended hard things never existed. And so I grew up with all kinds of ways to cope with that. It started out with codependence and love addiction. And I was sort of like went in and out of an eating disorder all through my 20s. And then when I started, when I confronted those things and realized what they were, I didn't really realize what they were covering up, but I realized the symptoms and I worked on the symptoms without too much working on like really the root of it. So I, you know, picked up drinking and my, my drinking picked up a lot and really identified as an alcoholic stayed there for, for just actually a handful of years and then got sober. So it was when I got truly sober was when I started to have to kind of rumble with my own emotions and learn things like surrender and self-trust and just knowing that I was, I was going to live if I walked into, you know, this fire. And so what, it was actually my, my, my very best friend in the whole world, Amy Smith, who I feel Mm -hmm. like she just came out of the womb, like one of the most evolved people I've ever met. (laughs) And she's always been really okay feeling her, her feelings, talking about them, expressing them. And that was, even when I met her 11, 12 years ago, I was like, what? Like, I'm not sure about this. Like you can do that over there. And I, you know, I think that's neat about you. It's really neat. (laughs) (laughs) It's not for me. So it was, it was, of course, I was super lucky to have her as a best friend. I was, as I was sort of navigating this journey, but it was her perspective. And she said, what if your feelings were just your body's way of taking care of itself? And we would have these conversations and I was like, well, you know, when I have a cold, I sneeze or cough, or when I'm pregnant and need to give birth, my uterus contracts and knows what to do. You know, when you have the flu, you're throwing up and you have diarrhea, like your body knows how to take care of itself to get back to homeostasis so you can go about your life. And what if your emotions were just your body's way of like processing information? I mean, what if that was it? Yeah. (laughs) And I don't mean to simplify it, but like, really? (laughs) Yes. Yes. And what if? What if? That's amazing. So we don't, we don't get mad at ourselves when we go and 
I mean, we, we're not happy about sneezing. Or sweating. <laughs> yeah, like we don't get really mad. I mean, sometimes, you know. It's it, inconvenient. Yes, but it's not like, who are you to sweat? Like, yeah. The inner oh, critic so doesn't sorry. show up for that. <laughs> it's inconvenient. Like, that's mm-hmm. kind of how I look at emotions now. It's uncomfortable and inconvenient. And now it's just, it's one of those things where whatever, you know, it's just, you feel what you feel. And I also stopped making myself wrong for feeling certain feelings. I still Mm -hmm. see it all the time in my clients and the women in my group programs. And they're like, I really just want to stop feeling this way, you know, fill in the blank of whatever it is. Right. And I'm just like, even with guilt now, I'm just like, oh, well, whatever. And sometimes I really sort of break down, is this serving me? Well, you know, and I just think as a mother, we just have guilt. You know, do I have Mm -hmm. guilt over, I do think there's like, I think some religious guilt and things like that, like that definitely unpack that. But I think we all walk around with different, you know, different size bags of guilt. Yeah. I have a small one, might have a big one, but I just, I just stopped making feelings and emotions mean something that they weren't. That was the biggest change for me. Amazing. Yeah. Because I think we, we often let ourselves get stopped right in our tracks when we feel something that's uncomfortable and then that feeling takes over, right? It's, Mm -hmm. it's made itself bigger than probably whatever the issue is that brought it about. And then we sometimes feel badly for feeling the feelings that we have. Like for instance, Mm -hmm. I had a client who was, she had a tricky relationship with her mother because that never happens to anyone, right? So Mm -hmm. she was super unique, had this complicated relationship with her mother and then would feel bad about how annoyed she was at her mother. And I challenged her to just, you know, what if you, there was some more things too. Like, I I think that it was manifesting as annoyance, but there was some other hurt, you know, based on the the story she has with her mom and the history. But, you know, part of the challenge for her was, what if you just let yourself feel whatever it is that you're feeling with her and you're responsible for your behavior. Don't be an asshole to your mom. And, and, um, it is, of course, it's about being in alignment with the woman that you want to be and showing up as the person you want to be with your, with whomever, but in her case, it was her mom, but not making yourself wrong and not making it mean anything about you. Just because you're annoyed with your mom doesn't mean that you're a bad daughter. I mean, that was just one example of what she was making up about it. And then we feel like shit about ourselves and, and on and on and on. So I like to become like a little bit of a detective. Just get curious about it. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. And I mean, there's something about it. This might sound totally corny, but like there's times when I'm like, whatever it is, you know, often if I'm really angry or there's like a strong emotion, sometimes here's the corniness that I don't think I've ever said out loud to anyone. But like, I'll say, you know what? This is just the animal side of me. Like, yeah, we're all like, we're not really that advanced. We're still part of that animal kingdom, if you will. Mm -hmm. Like, hi, you just showed up. I see this emotion and like, I'm just going to observe it. Kind of that same thing of like, let's get curious. Mm-hmm. Like instead of it, letting it take over. And sometimes it does, but then being compassionate with yourself when it does. Cause I don't know. Animals don't probably judge themselves when they get angry. They no. Just I mean, you could be like Jane Goodall with a clipboard in the corner, like observing <laughs> the chimps, you know, you're observing yes. your emotions and just, yes. just taking some notes. And yes. Yeah, it, it that has made my life. I don't like to use the term change my life that often, but quite yeah. honestly, that has is just letting go. Like I have alleviated myself from so much anxiety and stress and stories that 
aren't true because I have surrendered to my feelings, you know, albeit inconvenient at times, but I've surrendered to them and made myself not wrong for any of them. That was really difficult when my dad died because I had all kinds of emotions that I was labeling as wrong. I felt resentful. I felt relieved. I felt annoyed. I was angry. Like, and then, you know, you should just feel very sad and sorrowful. Like that's it and grieve. But I had, I I had like a buffet of emotions and I was so confused by all of them. And Mm -hmm. that was really a true test for me to a not drink through it, which I did not. Mm -hmm. And B just surrender. I got the word surrender tattooed on my arm because you know two months after he died, because it was such a huge lesson in just letting, just riding that wave of emotions. And that was difficult. (laughs) I won't lie. I would have rather worn a too tight bodysuit than go through that again. (laughs) But it was a huge lesson. Yeah. And it seems like there's some of those times where it is a deeply impactful event that then there's deep emotions around that teach us the biggest things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I knew if I would have drank my way through it, I wouldn't have had any of those lessons. Yeah. And then there's other times when it's not as big of a thing to us. And I think there's something, there's some wisdom in there and like knowing when do we sit with it and we surrender and feel the things versus, you know, when do we just say, yeah, I see you. I'm Jane Goodall in the corner and I'm just going to like kind of let this one go. Like when do Mm -hmm. we engage and just let us, let ourselves feel it versus. It's a choice. Yeah. I think it's a choice, but of course you have to be aware that you're doing something different before you can choose to, you know, actually Mm, let it ride and get curious about your feelings. So that's what I invite people to to do who are listening. Like when something really uncomfortable comes up, what is your first instinct? Do you want to run away? Do you avoid conversations? Do you drink? Do you go to the pantry? Do you scroll on your phone? What is it that you do? And it might be like all of those things. And what if you just let yourself be with all of the emotion? Yeah. Well, and when, you know, if it's something that's uncomfortable, say a situation either with family or friends or maybe at work or like one of those where it's an interpersonal relationship, the easy go-to is to talk about it with other people in -hmm. ways that aren't looking for resolution. It's just like, let's talk about, I mean, candidly, let's talk about how bad this is. Right. And like, how do we move from that? Like we're unpacking a situation. Maybe we're letting it get to that gossipy water cooler level how do we move into an area that's helpful? Because I feel like that's one of the big things that's hard for people. Uh Yeah, I think it looks different for different people. And I can only talk about my own experience and kind of what I've seen from my clients and things like that. I think all of the different ways can be helpful. So like you were saying, telling the story, and I always ask people to, when when I ask people if they're sharing the hard parts of their life with someone, I call that person your compassionate witness, are you sharing the full experience of it, like the full breadth of what's happening, or are you just telling the story? Like, are you just examining the facts? Because those are two very different things. Yeah. And so, you know, you can answer that question. And, and what I mean by that, like the, the major differences, are you allowing any emotion to come up as you're telling the story, or are you kind of telling it like as you're removed from it? Like you could almost be like telling the story as it was happening to someone else. And then also for me, it was really helpful to talk to other people when I was going through like the really hard parts of my life. But for me, writing has been the thing that where I have truly grieved 
Mm. any situation. You know, I got divorced before. It was a very egregious situation. You know, so many things, as as I'm sure all of your listeners have been through some kind of trauma in their life, if not more than mm-hmm. one. But writing has helped me and being alone when I'm doing it has helped me truly sort of unravel myself and really just letting go and letting whatever comes out, come out and not editing, not censoring myself at all. That has truly helped me grieve. And then sometimes I read back some of the things that I've written and I'm like, damn, that was dark. (laughs) That was a really dark place I was in. And I sometimes don't even remember some of the things that I wrote, but I know that I needed to be there to get to where I am now. I I love that because it gives you coachy talk, but like a container to explore the thing. And then it doesn't, and what, it's kind of a safe space to explore it. And then if you need to talk or you need to, you know, call a best friend or whatever and share in some of it, like then it's, it's unpacked to a certain degree, but you've experienced it and felt it and waded through it in a way that then what you can maybe move on to the next level of processing it or not, if you're not ready for that. Yeah. And I also think it's important to mention that not everyone has that person in their life who is able to more coachy talk, hold the space for that. (laughs) So if I, so for instance, the example of like when I lost my dad, I wrote some really dark poetry during that time. And some of it, well, I would say most of it, no one has ever read. And I wouldn't be like horrified if somebody read it, but I just didn't feel the need to show it to anybody. But some of it, I, you know, my, my best friend read it. I think I actually even posted I think maybe like a Facebook status. I posted one of the more tame ones, but um, I think that there are some people who just, they can't deal with that kind of emotion in their own life. So Mm -hmm. they probably can't be with it in yours. They probably can't be with it as you need them to be with it. So that's when I advise talking Mm -hmm. to a therapist or some kind of counselor who's trained to do that and, and won't be like alarmed. Um, you know, unless you're talking about hurting yourself or someone else. But I mean, for the most part, it's just really deep, dark pain and sorrow yeah. that you're expressing. And not everyone is ready to hold that. Yeah. And I think that's a tender thing to bring up too, is find the right person, especially when you know, because I've been there too, where I'm like, no, I I need someone to hear this because I can't hold it on my yeah. own anymore. Mm-hmm. But yet I knew very, and for context, um, traumatic birth of my son and Mm -hmm. I knew stuff was not right and I knew I needed to talk to somebody and I knew that it wasn't something that the people most of the people in my life would have the capacity like you're just saying to hold the space for it and it didn't feel I mean I love them and I knew they'd be there for me but it also didn't feel like it would be the right thing to go to them with so I think intuitively really listening there and and I share that just as if somebody's like, well, yeah, I think I do need, well, then listen to the intuition of it and find, and it might take a little while. You might have to talk to a couple different people to find that person, but like, who's the person? Because mm-hmm. there's somebody out there that can help you in that harder spot. And it's, yeah, I, I've, I've been there and it was hard, but yeah, yeah, it can be. Yeah. No, I think that's amazing that, that then how do you find that person and, and know that intuitively maybe the rest of the people in your life are not that's not the right match and they haven't been trained in it. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to test the waters and just Mm -hmm. kind of go in with baby steps and, or just ask them, just say, you know, like I have this thing Mm -hmm. I want to talk to you about and it's pretty 
dark and I don't need you to fix it. I don't need you to give me advice or minimize it or anything like that. I just need you to, to hear about this situation. Mm. Um, I just need a witness. Mm. Yes. Yeah. I think that's, that is nice. It's so vulnerable. Oh yes. It is. (laughs) Well, and then if somebody says that to you to, to resist the, well, all the stuff that you just said, like, I don't need you to fix this. I don't need you to like, tell me it's not like minimize it was a great word for it. Like to just sit with it and let it be and let the person unfold in front of you. Like, yeah, that's vulnerable. And it's also Mm -hmm. such an amazing thing to do for someone else. If you can, it's an honor. Yeah. It truly Mm. is special. Mm, Yes. Uh, I love that. We've, I just, I don't know why I feel like I call it out. Like we have just jumped from like, the very hilarious <laughs> to this, like all the joy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, how did we go from chap labia to talking about grief? And well, yeah, it's just the mind of a, of a life coach. We yeah, can, uh, talk really about is. it all in 30 minutes. <laughs> it's like same conversation. Right. <laughs> welcome to a session. Welcome. To, yeah. Welcome to the, my brain of how just, I hold exactly. lots of different things. Yeah. Well, and that, like, yes, there's the humor and then deep seriousness. See, it's possible. There it is possible. Um, a couple of things that come, like we are recording this at the almost December. Oh my goodness. How did that even happen? Mm-hmm. But a lot of like, there's big stuff that come up that comes up for people as we enter this time of holidays and then the turn of the new year. And I'm wondering a couple of things, like how do you suggest people um, what, how do they enter into places and spaces of, we go to these holiday events, we may not see our family or friends that often. I did a recent episode about it. Like, how do you, what's your best advice for someone who's like going into a situation that's maybe uncomfortable, but they want to, you know, they want to have a meaningful experience. And I've called him uncle Al or aunt Esther is there and you don't really know what to do because sometimes things are weird. Like is uncle Al and aunt Esther, like, are they racist or like, what's going on with them? Like, I don't know. <laughs> what's uncomfortable? <laughs> why, why, are they jerks? <laughs> yeah, they're jerks. I don't know who they, what they really, what their deal different is. Generation probably, maybe. Yeah. They're different. Okay. And you're going to walk into that party or that event and you're like, I don't, you know, that's not, I don't need it. Okay. And, and maybe it's not the p- time or place to make a stand. Maybe yeah. it is, maybe it isn't. But like, how do people either armor up for it emotionally or deal with them in the moment? I do have advice. I I think that, you know, and I'm assuming like these are not people that you're going to have, like you're not super invested in the friendship, right? They're just like mm-hmm. people you have to tolerate obligatory conversations type of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a good way. I love that you qualified it though. You're like, what's yeah. the deal here? Okay. I I try my best, and this is not always easy, especially if I'm related to these people, um, which I think makes it extra hard. But if mm-hmm. and, and if they're maybe more distantly related, it's not as difficult. But I in those situations really try to look at the perspective. And I have to like gear up for this. This is not mm-hmm. just something like I I walk into really gracefully. It's sometimes a street fight, but I gear up for it and really remember that these people are doing the best that they can. Mm -hmm. They don't have the tools that I do. They don't have the awareness that I do. They, um, they truly 
perhaps were not meant to walk this earth as an evolved human. It was just not in their destiny. And maybe their purpose is to teach me a lesson about, uh, you know, patience, mm-hmm. about <laughs> boundaries, about uh, compassion, like whatever it is. And it's really, you know, I don't make it like an investigation to try to find out what that lesson is, but it's just all those kind of little perspectives to think about when you have to take a deep breath when somebody made um makes a sexist comment or something like that mm-hmm. and you choose in that moment whether you're going to call it out or not i i don't know i think a lot of people would argue with me but sometimes i feel like it's just simply not worth it like if it's just going to be this huge gigantic ugly argument yeah maybe not worth it uh but i think sometimes it absolutely is time and place but i just mm-hmm. i truly do think that everyone's doing the best that they can i was actually i'm in this class called um foundations of social justice and we had this discussion about are all humans inherently good? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I have a really hard time with that. I do believe, however, that everyone is doing the best they can. And I think some people's best is absolute crap. And I think it's then when we have to set boundaries, you know, if we are in those people's lives and it's, that's, that's what I do. I mean, even people Mm -hmm. just yesterday, I was on the freeway And I was in the fast lane and I could not get over, like I was going as fast as I could. People were in front of me and this lady was like riding my ass. And Mm -hmm. and that's one thing I cannot stand. I think it's so incredibly dangerous. And I'm looking in the rear view mirror, like try not to flip her off. And so when I could, I got over and then she, you know, started riding the person's ass in front of me that was in front of me. And I was, and I took a deep breath and I say what I always say. My kids were in the car too. And I said, she probably has to poop. Because what other reason would you be driving like an a-hole unless you had to go to the bathroom so bad? So it's, yeah. it's moments like that where I'm just like, all right, it's not worth me suffering over your behavior. And finding the place where there's some compassion for why someone would ever act. I mean, whether it's the tailgating on the freeway or it's Uncle Al being whatever, the incredible and mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, I've told other people, I don't have an Uncle Al and I don't have an Aunt Esther. So these are just fictional people. But like, how do you see them where they are and just say, yeah, you had a, a weird, I mean, maybe you were brought up in a weirder home than I can imagine. And I'm just going to take you at face value the best I can and and be compassionate uh, if I can. Like, yeah. And maybe you, you need to poop. <laughs> Maybe they are constipated too. And it's just like a double, double Mm. problem. They need some prune juice, as my mom would say. But I just, I I don't, and please everyone trust me that this is, again, not something like I have struggled with control and codependence, like for the most of my life. And Mm. so like, I want people to behave the way I want them to behave. And if everyone could just figure that out, I can have a meeting about it, then we would all be happier. You just don't know it yet. And it, it took, um, you know, a lot of, again, like surrender has been sort of like the theme of the last decade of my life of just, okay, it's not up to me. It's not mm-hmm. up to me. I don't always have to be the driver. And I actually suffer more when I am wrestling with people trying to get into the driver's seat. And it's not a matter of being a doormat. It doesn't have to, the pendulum doesn't have to swing completely the other way. And that's why I mentioned right. boundaries. Like you have to, at the same time, realize what's okay and what's not okay to you realize that like okay they're they're probably the way they are Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's not up to me to force change upon them 
I can tell them like, you know, what I will and will not tolerate based on their behavior. And then if that's not going to be acceptable to them, then that's where boundaries come in. And those are hard. Those are hard lessons, but not impossible. No. And I really appreciate that part that you said about like kind of, it gets easier when you're not fighting for control with someone. And I think, yeah, it's a super interesting thing because I think we each have that person and it's usually probably someone closer to you than uncle Al or aunt Esther is where Mm -hmm. it's that constant dance of like, who's in the driver's seat and you're probably both type a personalities and it just gets really hard. Um, but agreeing to with, even if it's just yourself, like I'm not going to do that with that person right now. Uh, and I, and I love that you're acknowledging that it's not about becoming the doormat. It's often more about self-advocacy when you get there. Yeah. Like that's just not the role I'm playing this time. And so I'm going to let them drive if they need to and just, mm-hmm. just let them go. Let's you drive your bus. I'll drive mine where appropriate <laughs> and applicable. I will say something um, mm-hmm. but not always. Yeah. Yeah. Not always appropriate and applicable. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for diving into the Uncle Alan and Esther. <laughs> Alan, Esther. I love them. They're crazy. They're crazy. I make up that they eat fruitcake mm-hmm. and <laughs> they rum, have ideas. Rum balls. <laughs> I have a, yeah. Rum balls have a place in time. I brought an entire plate of them to a wim- group of women on a cruise ship at one point in my life. Was that your new kids on the block one? It was. Oh my God. <laughs> Do you want to hear the quick story? So more than anything else in the world. Oh yeah. <laughs> this is fun. So folks, new kids on the block boy band from the eighties. Yes. And they do a cruise every year. I've been twice. And the la- last year, so they do this crazy group picture thing where it's groups of 10 women this could be an entire podcast episode in and of itself, but you have to group up before you go in the room. It's two per guy. So you kind of agree before you go in the room who you're standing next to. Fights break out because people, they change their guy at the last minute. It's not good. But our group was in line for like three hours. So I'm like, you guys, we need some sustenance. What did I bring back from the buffet? Oh no! This is so ridiculous. I didn't even think about it when I picked it up. Rum balls and bananas. On an empty stomach. On an empty stomach. And it's, what is that? That is balls and bananas. Like, I don't balls know. Balls and bananas and adrenaline <laughs> and boy bands. And boy, what is on my mind? Where are we going with this? Anyway, sorry, Andrea. Sorry, everyone. Balls, but bananas, boy bands, and Donnie Wahlberg. Well, I will admit that I definitely was a huge fan of NSYNC. And that was, mm-hmm. I was like in my early 20s. So yeah. <laughs> I went to a concert. It's good. It's good. We were chaperoning two 13-year-old girls, but I mean, come on. But you still had fun. Yes. <laughs> I totally like get like, it. No, I don't want to go. I was, <laughs> JC Chasse was my favorite. I just, I can't oh. with him. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. So Jordan, now. Whew, let's post pictures. That guy, he's really kept it up. He's Wasn't he the, he was the one with the, was he the youngest with the curly hair? That's Joey. That's Joey. <laughs> Jordan okay. is the other lead singer. He's okay. Okay. Yes. Oh boy. I promise next it. time I come on, I'll, I'll know a little bit more about them. Yeah. But no, for when I was a lot younger, we didn't have, there wasn't like a big boy band. I don't think um, I was, my obsession was Ricky Schroeder. So <gasps> he's good. Yeah. I, was in love with him. More that we were going to get married. 
Yeah. Oh, well, then we would, it would have been on, Andrea, because <laughs> we would have arm wrestled for it. And he ended up marrying a woman named Andrea, which I find funny, but he didn't Aww. age. Like it didn't, it didn't translate well into manhood. I hate to say it. No, no. And I saw him a couple years ago and it is true. It yeah. Was. Jason Bateman, on the other hand, <sighs> stop it. Stop <laughs> he was right also now. on Silver Spoons, which was mm-hmm. people who are a lot younger than us probably don't know that show. Like, but anyway, where Ricky Schroeder. He was like a rich kid. Yeah. It's so good. And we were going to get married. Oh, Menudo. Do you remember the, the boy band Menudo? Yes. They were on, they were on an episode of Silver Space. <laughs> they yeah. were. I was a big <laughs> fan. You know what? I'm going to look it up. If I can find it in the show notes, the episode with Menudo, folks. We're gonna I guarantee you it's on YouTube. I'm going to look for it too after we hang out. We're going to have to go watch right now. Right now. They do this like, gotta keep on moving. Gotta keep on moving. Most of their songs are in Spanish, but they had a couple <laughs> English ones. And you could totally tell that that was not their first language. Yes. And it was very cute. <laughs> it is cute. It's really amazing. Oh, the 80s. I, this, is, this is hilarious. <laughs> oh, bodysuits and blazers. <laughs> we, we just have never left. We started there. We Well, we left for a moment. going to wear out this joke. <laughs> <laughs> no. Not possible. Yeah, no. Um, what else are you up to? And... What what else would you like to share? Where can people find you? Um, you know, just trying to keep my sanity. <laughs> running a running a company, two small children, a husband and a dog. No, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm so incredibly um, hashtag blessed. I am like I mentioned, I'm rebranding, which no one cares about except me and you. Uh, but just really, again, trying to infuse more of my humor into my business. It's so weird to call it a business, but just my messaging and things like that, and. Um, I'm going to be coming out with some, you know, funny videos that I haven't done since like 2012 and hopefully don't, you know, people, because to be honest with you, like when we're talking about like stepping out of comfort zones and being really vulnerable, I do a lot of really courageous things I feel like, but it's become my norm because I'm so used to it now. I've Mm -hmm. gained so much confidence in it, but like this, like putting out funny videos, like humor, my friend Elizabeth Dialto has been doing stand-up comedy and I'm like uh, sitting on my hands watching her. I'm like, oh my God, don't mess it up. <laughs> that is so scary to me. Yeah. Because I can't even imagine being like heckled. Oh, forget it. Like that's so far out of my comfort zone. But I'm going to try to do some funny videos. If they're not funny, then I will probably die. And then <laughs> please invite um, New Kids on the Black to sing at my funeral. I, then, I will call um, them. <laughs> <laughs> now that you have an inside yes. scoop, hey, but, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to try to do that. Um, and also more solo podcast episodes, like the one that you heard just of me kind of turning on the mic and, and yelling at people. So that should be fun. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, and I can't wait to share some of your, your humorous videos. Oh, I mean, you. It's, it's funny. I, you know, I don't know if there's something we can do there together. Clearly. <laughs> like some of the same stuff i think we could and i know what costume we would wear i know what we would wear oh yeah oh yeah we would <laughs> with oh, no. high-waisted jeans and flats with no socks amen yeah. and maybe on a more casual episode uh we could wear some birkenstocks <laughs> i never got into that i i did it because no. my mom wore them i think because my mom wore them and i was like i would call them her moses shoes and mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I made up that Moses wear the, wear those shoes, but I liked flats with no socks or I would do, and they're kind of back in style, like the booty boots thing. Mm, yeah. They're, those, those are kind of back too. We wore those. That and was a good look. 
<laughs> thank you so much for coming back, Andrea. It's always so much oh, fun. Oh, thanks for having me. And also just a big thank you to your audience for sticking with us. <laughs> oh, yeah. You made it. <laughs> you made it. We're done. We're finally done beating that joke to death. Thank you, everyone. And thank you, Paula. Thank you. Oh, my goodness, Andrea. Thank you so much for being on the show. You guys, I have to say that even as I was editing this episode, I was like belly laughing on the couch. Ah, That was good stuff. Um, So if you want to find the show notes for this episode, jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash Andrea is where you can find it. Or just at the website if you're listening this week, jumpstartyourjoy.com. It'll be right there as well find links to her two books and <laughs> yes oh yes the footage of menudo on silver spoons um and if you are looking to find a new way to experiment with marketing and reach a new audience it's very interesting when i look at my own stats for the show i definitely have a group that is a readership that reads my blog at jumpstartyourjoy.com as well. And there is a set of you who listen almost exclusively through Apple, iTunes, um, or other podcasting uh, apps. And the really interesting thing there is there's not a lot of crossover. So, you know, if you are already a blogger and you're looking to look to find a brand new audience, podcasting is a great way to do that. Uh, and so love to work with you on starting one if that's something that is on your heart or that you have been toying with for the last little bit 2019 will be a great year to do it and you can send me an email at jumpstartyourjoy at gmail.com i would love to hear from you and love to help you with your show so next week tuesday is december 25th which of course is christmas and so I'm still not sure what I will be publishing (laughs) that week. Uh, I've got something batting around in my head about abundance and the nature of abundance. So that's what I'm thinking will go up. But there will be an episode next week. It may be a rerun as well. Uh, I have to say that's the first time I haven't known what I'm doing. (laughs) So is the nature of the end of the year. So thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you'll come back next week. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.